of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. And it is Thursday night, the virtual Green Dragon Tavern on the air is live, lit, and loud, and tonight's episode is sure to be a banger. We're going to be discussing some heavyweight stuff, heavyweight stuff tonight. Of course, I am the host of the Sons of Liberty Live here on Radio Contra. Top-ranked podcast until we were shadow banned and pretty much actually banned in real life over on YouTube. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit as well. we got a lot of people who are working their way in here. And um, big shout-out to all of you because we did not have an episode last week because I was teaching. And we've had uh, been it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week this week. Uh, a lot of work to try and get caught up on and some admin things, of course. Uh, in case you didn't hear, in case the, the world wasn't aware of it, the uh, fighting carbine course this coming weekend and the fighting pistol course that is weekend uh, two weeks away actually i had to postpone both of them uh they have been canceled but not you know perma canceled but postponed so i want to make something uh real clear about those courses um for you know maybe the people who who haven't been to my training site here in north carolina haven't been to the range uh my range that i have is in a very large uh, open field that is on my farm here in North Carolina. So I have a 47 acre track of land that, uh, you know, is, I make a lot of jokes about uphill both ways, you know, cause, uh, there, there's some pretty monster hills on that place. Anybody that's been to the scout course knows when they're moving up to that final objective and they're just like, man, really? Uh, this, we got to move up this. And it's like, yeah, you're getting engaged. Yeah. Got to go. Uh, <laughs> you got to hit that target, you know, just kind of as a, a final kick in the balls, um, you know, smoking those legs, seeing, uh, how much squat time, you know, you, you put in at the gym, you know, how much, how much work have you put in on that squat rack? Um, but, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I laugh about that. But down on the range, it is kind of an arduous task to get down there. As anybody who's drove down there knows. And um, this past week, we had a whole lot of rain. We had a couple of inches of rain. This week, we've had a couple of inches of rain as well. Um, the hill going down, the road that accesses the range going down there is in pretty bad shape. And reluctantly, um, you know, I, I do not, as a rule, I do not pause training because of rain, uh, because of adverse weather conditions. That really doesn't enter into my psyche. As anybody that's trained with me knows, uh, in the adverse weather conditions, it doesn't matter how hot it is, doesn't matter how cold it is. I've run classes where it's 100 degrees plus. I have run classes where it was pouring down rain. Uh, there, there was, uh, matter of fact, the very first scout course I ever ran, there was three inches of rain during that time. Uh, three inches of rain. And it was, that was miserable for everybody, including me. Um, I've run classes in uh, Yakima, Washington, where there was freezing rain and ice, and we had absolutely no shelter to get into. So we were just out there sucking in it, um, you know, and, and that became a challenge. So, but the point is, is that I only pause training and I only intervene in something when it becomes a hazard to the students. And in my assessment, the road to get down there is not a hazard to get down. I mean, you know, it's, it's gravity. You're, you're going to get down there one way or the other in your vehicle. Um, but you ain't going to get back out. And, you know, and, and I've got some pretty serious off-road vehicles. Uh, I've got a couple of super duties that are very well equipped off-road. Um, you know, I have a K five blazer an old cuck D that that's running, uh, 1151 surplus tires under it. And it's got front and rear lockers. Um, you know, I am, I, I am very well equipped to operate off road. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Safety is always the forefront in my mind when it comes to training. And if something happens on the range, and I can't get you off the range in a timely fashion to get, you know, let's say, um, you know, worst case scenario, like it's a, it's a live fire range. I mean, it, it is, uh, you're talking about a fighting carbine course, people are shooting, uh, it's a live fire range. And even though I run things and manage things in a, um, very well controlled way is, you know, range safety officer and, and everything, you never know. Okay. You never know. And so if I don't have a way to get you uh, off the range and, and taken care of, you know, and, and th that presents a safety hazard to me, I got to call it. You know, I don't have a choice in that. Uh, so I'm not going to take a chance. I'm certainly not going to uh, put anyone at, at, in jeopardy because of that. And so I called it and, and there's been a couple of announcements that were up on brushbeater.org, um, you know, and uh, everybody that was enrolled in those courses has been emailed and, uh, you know, ha has responded to me. And man, let me tell you something. Let me, let me, let me just, you know, I want to say this up front, the flexibility and the generosity and the kindness of this community in me explaining that has been really incredible 
the the feedback that the students have given me has been has has really been very understanding and believe me i appreciate that um because you could be and and you would be well justified in doing this you you could be that guy's hey you know um i paid for this class and now you're canceling it and you know what the fuck man i mean hey you know and, and i would totally get it you know you, you could pour that heat on me and i totally get it but you didn't and uh for everybody that was enrolled in class you didn't do that and i really really appreciate it um so uh those courses have been rescheduled they have been rescheduled they are up on the calendar uh fighting pistol has not yet been posted but there will be a date for that uh, it's coming up right now. Uh, May is the projected date for it, the first weekend in May. So uh, that's going to be going up. That's going to be going up very, very soon. And, uh, you know, probably over the weekend, we're going to get, you know, all, all those little things squared away. But I am not going to do anything that's going to put my students in jeopardy ever. You know, that's that's just out of the question, because if you're getting hurt in training, that's really, really foolish on everybody's part. And it would be very irresponsible of me as an instructor, as a trainer to say, hey, you know, like I, I don't I really am not putting putting your well-being at heart here. I really don't care um, because I do. I, I care very, very deeply about that. And, and I'm going to make sure that that everybody is safe, first and foremost. Uh, so. Uh, I know that it, it is a little disappointing uh, because I believe me, I would love to be out there. Fortunately, this this coming weekend looks like it's going to be pretty decent. It's going to be cold here, but it looks like it's going to be pretty decent for once because we've had this like cold, sloppy rain that, that's been hitting where like I wouldn't be so bad. Uh, it, it wouldn't be so bad if it was uh, snow. But like it, it's cold enough to snow, but for whatever reason, it's just not. It's just cold rain. Um, you know, I'm just saying we we've had a we've had one of those winters. So it it, it it it's it's one of those wet, cold, but not quite cold enough winters where you know everything is just damp and like just ugh, you know. And hey, it is what it is, man. You know, you you just have to you got to roll with the punches. You got to flex. Um, when you can and, and, you know, Semper Gumby as a, uh, good friend, former platoon leader of mine, uh, used to say Semper Gumby all the time and he was exactly right, but, uh, it is what it is, man. You, you got to remain flexible. And so, um, you know, this isn't, this certainly is not affecting the intelligence and, uh, uh the intelligence collection and urban tradecraft course that I have coming up. Uh, weekend after next, it, it has zero impact on that because you don't have to drive to the range for it. Um, you know, it's it's just going to be here at my place, and and uh, of course, some we're going to go into town, and and we've got some fun activities there uh, for your practical exercises, and it's not going to affect the scout course. Uh, the scout course, everything, everything should be squared away by the time of the scout course to where it won't be an issue. Uh, so we should be good to go. And um, it's not going to affect the scout course anyway, because, you know, push comes to shove. You guys really aren't going to be driving down to the range for that anyway. Uh, you'll just be humping it in and humping it out. Uh, so it, it is what it is. Um, no biggie. 
All right, no biggie. So uh, that's with the admin announcements. One thing that I do want to say also that, that I want to point out, I never spare an opportunity to thank this audience. You know, we're coming up on uh, today is 2 February 2023, and I am very, very elated to report to all of you that the Gorilla's Guide to the Baofeng Radio is still in Amazon's top 1,000. It is still a number one bestseller. It is still at the top of a lot of people's lists when it comes to professional references. Uh, I don't know how many of you caught the podcast that I did with Paul LaFavor and Mike Blackburn, but if you didn't catch that, and if you don't know who those two guys are, you really need to do your homework. If you call yourself a small unit practitioner and you don't know who those guys are, you ain't a small unit practitioner. Okay, the guys that literally wrote the small unit tactics handbook for the Q course, for the Army Special Forces Q course, their qualification course. These guys have forgotten more about small unit tactics They've forgotten more about unconventional warfare than most of us will ever know, myself included. And having, having, uh, being invited and having the opportunity to be on their podcast uh, for as num- the number of times that I have uh, is a huge honor. And to have the compliments that those guys were were bestowing upon me. Um, that's really, really, it, it, I tell you, there's, there's a lot of honors that, that one can get in their life. That's a big one. That's a real big one. Um, it's a very humbling experience, but I will say that the most humbling experience that, that I can receive is the, the acceptance of this community and the, the proof positive. All right. And that leads me into really the first topic that I'm going to talk about tonight, um, kind of as, as a little monologue before we, we open it up to our cohort in here, because it's it's been a little bit since I've done a podcast. It's been a little bit since I've done a solo podcast. And uh, there's there's just some things that, that I really need to get off my chest um, that, that I really, really need to get out there. And, uh, you know, one of them is concerning Daily Wire because I've had a lot of people who have emailed me questions about it. You know, only to be fair, only a couple of which I've actually answered and and given a response to because I mostly mind my own business. Uh, I mostly mind my own business. There's a couple of exceptions to that, but mostly I mind my own business. But this people have been asking me about the uh, the Crowder situation with Daily Wire, right? The the whole uh, him airing of the the recorded contract negotiations, quote unquote, and um, you know the the all of that, right? And uh, I want to point some things out because this has come back into the forefront and it intersects somewhere, and 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 I'm going to relay that. Uh, the first thing that I want to say 
you know, since since we just need to, to throw bona fides out there, because I know there's there's going to be somebody that listens to this is going to send me a shitty email that I don't give a shit about. Let's just be honest. Right. As I sit here and I sip on my hundred dollar scotch. Yeah. Right. I said it. I said it. I drank good drinks. OK, that's number one. But at, let, let me just explain some things. All right. First of all. I'm sure there's going to be somebody, and I've already heard this from the community, and I'm going to detail this, right? I'm sure there's going to be somebody that's going to say, oh, well, you're, you're just talking shit about them because you ain't as big as them. No, I'm not. You're right. I'm not. You're just, you're, you're just interjecting yourself in here because all the things, right? right? Just name, name what you want to name because there was already somebody online today that, that said, Oh, well, you, you just don't like Shapiro because he's a Jew, right? Look, let's just get that out there. Let's just get that out there. Let's just clear the air. No, that's not why I don't like Shapiro. That's not the reason that I think that him and everybody around him are fucking snakes. That has nothing to do with it. If that had something to do with it, then I would have, uh, uh, you know, I, I would have a very different opinion about a lot of things out there, right? That has absolutely nothing to do with it. One of the inspirations for me getting into podcasting was Michael Savage. Who also has a very unfavorable opinion of Shapiro and the Daily Wire. And has a very, very valid reason to. And he's worth about $50 billion, by the way, in case anybody didn't know. So his, his beef with them also has nothing to do with jealousy. Now, this is... This is Clear the air on that. Okay. Yeah. My daily wire is AmericanPartisan.org. Daily wire? No. Fuck no. No. We didn't get the budget they got. It's self made. It's self made. But I want to point something out. I want to point something out. I ain't get the budget they got. I don't get the salary they get. I don't get the income that they get. I don't need to. Let's, let's examine some facts real quick. I'm going to spit some facts at you. I've been in the top thousand on Amazon since my book was published. My book hit the top 1,000 on Amazon before I even knew that it was up. You understand that? Do you understand that for a self-published book? I didn't even know that it was up. Top 1,000. It's been in top, it was in the top 500 for quite some time. Sometimes it bumps back up there. It just depends. Who gives me a shout out? Who doesn't? Right? Number one bestseller hasn't left. Hasn't left. AmericanPartisan.org, a website that I started up with four of my friends, 10,000 hits a day. Right? Let me tell you about Radio Contra, a podcast that I started because I love talk radio and I wanted to just throw my hat out there. I wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to see how I measured up to the greats. Michael Savage being one of them, right? Shoots up to number one, number one. And believe me, I keep the receipts. It's out there. Didn't nobody pay me nothing. I got shadow banned. I got shadow banned. And guess who I beat? Guess who I beat in all that? 
the Daily Wire guys, all those clowns over there, the little skinny motherfucker in the skinny jeans with his little beard grown out telling you you ought to not do all the things, right? Why? Well, oh, he knows what it means to be a man. Motherfucker, let me tell you what it means to be a man. Walking 14 miles on a mission insertion with six other guys alone, unafraid, knowing that there's an enemy out there that has went his entire life waiting for that moment to kill you. And you're there hunting him, the most dangerous prey. So don't you tell me about what it means to be a man. I don't need your advice. I don't need your advice. Shapiro. The little squeaker. The little kid who's been handed everything. How did he get where he got before he was even 30 years old? How did he get where he got? Hmm? Answer me that. Tell me where he got to where he got. And he told you two years ago. He had the audacity to tell you two years ago that if you didn't believe in getting a vaccine, that you didn't believe that getting this mRNA vaccination, right, which isn't that at all, he had the audacity to tell the public that, well, then you were just some tenfold hat conspiracy theorist, right? Just some tenfold hat conspiracy theorist. If I just talk fast, that means I make a coherent argument. But, really, but. Pardon me, buddy. Pardon me. And now all of a sudden you want to backtrack on all that? Oh, no. No, 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 sir. That's not how it works. You don't get that right. You don't get that opportunity. And you shouldn't get the opportunity of the American trust ever again. You can try that shit. On a stupid populace. But let me tell you something about the populace. They chose. When they were given the choice, they chose. And I didn't have advertising dollars behind me. I didn't have million dollar contracts behind me. I didn't have an army of lawyers behind me. I didn't have nothing but my friends and my soul, my honor. And I knew what was right. And look at us now. Look at us now. Number one bestsellers on Amazon. Made it to number 11 in education. Just think about that. Think about the gravity of that. Number 11 in all books of education. The Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio. It's validation of this community. I don't want to hear a damn word about how this sorry asshole and his little group of miscreant sycophants around him are going to save the Republic. Because if they harbor the likes of him and other snakes to talk out of both sides of their mouth, then a Republic ain't worth saving. And a populace that tolerates that crap, they ain't worth it either. Savage is right. Michael Savage called him from the beginning. Period. End of story. And they're perfectly fine with towing right up to the line, but not going beyond it.
period. Period. End of story. Not us. Not us. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not here to tell you anything that's going to make you feel good. I'm here to tell you what is going to keep you alive. And that's that. You take it or leave it. You take it or you leave it. If you leave it, thank you for your time. Best of luck. If you take it, welcome aboard. So, with that said, now that I've talked for 23 minutes, I do believe that I need a bit of a refreshment. Joined by my wonderful guests in here, my cohort, my partners in crime, bestsellers of books in their own right, starting from the top of the list, Mr. Joe Dolio, Tactical Wisdom himself. What's up, brother? I think we have fixed the microphone problem. I, uh... Ooh, you sound great. Yeah, yeah, we're having a good Thursday here. Went out and taught a Bible study tonight, and, uh, you know, while all while wondering uh, if the power is about to go down because of this Chinese balloon. Uh, it's something I didn't need on my Thursday. Uh, but, hey, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll see what's going on. Oh, but also I have a question. You you mentioned uh, having to assault up this big hill at the end of the scout class. Is it too late to cancel my reservation for this class? <laughs> <laughs> you're a Marine. Let me tell you something. You're a Marine. And I'm told that you never quit being a Marine. This I'm, is true. I was told this. this. True. I was told yeah. this by a guy who was easily 350 pounds. Uh, wearing his wearing his circulation socks, and he he reminded me that he was never not going to be a marine. And I was like, "Hey, dog, I feel you, man. I feel you." He's but, talking about me, just so you know. Well, no, not you. <laughs> not not you at all. But see, here, here's the thing, man. If this dude was like sixty, I'd be like, "Hey, man, hell yeah." You know, like that's right, man. You, you keep you, because I mean, when, when you hit sixty, you're gonna have um, challenges. You're gonna have health challenges. Like, it, it, hell, it, it you know it, it, they pop up. But uh, <laughs> I will say that this dude was nowhere near sixty, and he was he was closer to fifty, but south of fifty. So uh -huh. we'll just. We'll, we'll just throw that grenade out there. And I was like, you're right. You're, you're right, buddy. You, you never, you never. Quit Although it does sound team. like he did quit being a Marine, but it Hey, does. you know, it does. Yes. But Hey, but I think, you know, that that's, uh, that's not me. And, uh, I've been out training in the Hills, getting ready for it. Uh, I don't have Hills like you have Hills, but if I go up them twice, it's almost the same thing. So I'll be ready. Hell yeah. No, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It, it's it's a ball smoker, man. It's a ball smoker. And and I mean it's it's gonna be scout course all my scout course grads, and there's a lot of them in there. Uh be prepared in the comments. 
is a fellow Marine, and he will be there, by the way. He is going to be at the scout. He's an alumni, so he's going to be one of the guys that you're shooting at um, with the blanks. He's going to be one of the guys taunting you. So it's, it's just going to be really interesting to have two Marine Corps NCOs fucking with each other. The whole oh, yeah. It's going to be It's going to be a good time. That actually oh, sounds like fun. So but hey, listen, I got to point something out that just happened in the chat. Mags just laid it out there. I'd love to hear Joe, Stan, and Scout do a podcast episode. Oh, yeah. I, I think we need to do something about the Duchy of Montana. I think this needs to happen. Uh, I, hey, I, I would love to. I gave him an open invitation. Um, I gave, he, He's got an open invitation, so we need to put something down. Just and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hit him up. I will say, for anybody who hasn't listened to Council on Future Conflict or Privy Council, that, that he is one of the most intelligent people that I have ever had the honor of having a conversation with. And I, I absolutely, I think that Stan is a national treasure just based on his IQ level and his ability to formulate a coherent argument. Um, I, 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 I mean, it, it's, I always just sit back and, and love to listen to him. Yeah, I do too. And what's crazy is he's one of the only guys who actually understands the China versus the Southern border situation perfectly. Yes. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, they I think that they understand our northern border now, too. Uh. <laughs> on, on the northern border, he did reach out to me on Monday and said that sometime here in the spring, you and I need to come out and do some testing and some walking and devising a program for his his uh, his plan there with the Bosque Shepherds and uh, and training courses. So keep I that in mind, too. Lovely idea. Yeah, I think that's a lovely idea. I have a I have a little bit of time in May, and I hear May is nice in Montana. So, well, it all depends on if a Chinese balloon dumps on it tonight or not. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. That that's gonna get that that's our next topic. We're we're gonna get into that once we once we've got everybody in here. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because that's 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 gonna be. We're going to have a lively conversation on this one, I think. Uh, Madman Actual. What is up, brother? Brother Madman. Yes, sir. What's happening? There, there he is. There I, I thought am. your former employers had cut you off. Yeah. They were like, no, no more. That. <laughs> they couldn't shut me up when I was there. They can't shut me up now. That's just not happening. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you strike me down. I will own yeah. Get strong. Safe win. Um, <laughs> I finally, uh, I totally got my head out of my ass, and I, I officially have the and FL message on my Android tablet. Excellent. There you go. I actually tested that last week. That's pretty it sweet, only dude. Took like three hours for me to actually figure out what I was doing with my life to get it on there. Um, but once I figured it out, yeah, it's working. I, uh, I only have one tablet. The other one's on the way. Um, for some reason that was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Honestly, I ordered two of them and only one of them showed up. Now the other one's coming, but, uh, I heard the, awesome. si this, 
distinct sound of digital radio waves over an analog signal. So I do. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other thing that you can do with and FL message that a lot of people do not know is you can use like everybody loves like, you know, having SDRs as receivers, right? That that's typically how they think of an SDR as a passive receiver, just kind of like getting everything. Um, you can use your Baofeng connected to and FL message as an SDR. And a lot of people just aren't aware that you can do that, uh, which is pretty sweet. And, um, you know, I, so in class, I only gave kind of a passing reference to that. Um, that's, uh, that's you pretty know, advanced. And, and showed, yeah, I mean, I, I showed a few people that you can do that, but we didn't really have the, uh, the opportunity to do practical application because, I mean, you know, you can't you can't hold people there for forever and be like, "Hey, let me show you this now." Like, it's but yeah, there's uh, only so no, many hours in a day. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and uh, man, I'm gonna tell you that class was a banger, man. Um, I, I mean, I say that all the time, but let me tell you something. Like uh, Teddy Bears in the comments. You're going to remember this well, brother. So let, let me just tell you something. Let, let me give you an, an, an idea, a snapshot of the RTO courses and, and the, um, the we'll just say the extracurricular activities that occurred. So one of the nights there culminated in them carrying me around in a, I have a, a armchair like a legit armchair in the classroom and my dad put it in there and it like that, that was kind of an inside joke between him and I uh, back when he was living because um, <laughs> so he, he got this armchair at a, at, at a sale at like one of those estate sales that, you know, where like somebody old dies and they just like sell off all their crap, you know, and it, it's, it's stuff that's like, decades out of date and like nobody wants that shit you know they just put it out there on a corner and fucking selling it whatever and uh there's this armchair that was out there and he was just like making over this armchair he's like oh yeah this thing is so nice i'm gonna get this armchair this thing is i'm gonna put it yeah i'm gonna sit in it all the time and and he did he so he totally got this armchair that may or may not have been pissed in all right this thing it, I mean, it, it came from somebody's house where that old person probably pissed in that chair. And so, you know, and I'm like looking at it just like, mm -mm, nah, I don't want that. So anyway, when we, uh, long story short, when we switched uh, the training locations back when he was still alive and we, we uh, shuffled some stuff around so that I would have a larger uh, classroom space and everything. I, he brought that chair and he put it in the garage and, um, you know, put it, put it out there. And I was like, Hey, you know, and, and he did it after I set everything up and he put that chair in there and he's like, I got that comfy chair out there. So if anybody wants to sit in it, you know, while they're, they're in class, they can sit in that chair. And I'm like, get that pissed chair out of here. 
you know, and he did it. He he did that because he knew it was just screwing with me, you know, and he put it out there. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it wasn't long out. It was like a couple weeks after that that uh, he, he started going downhill. And it was like an inside joke between him and I. And, and uh, then he started going downhill. And so now I'm just kind of like, you know, it's this old person's chair in there. But like I look at that chair and I'm like, you know, on one hand, this is a chair that, that I should probably like dump off, you know, like just fucking get rid of it. Cause I mean, who even has armchairs anymore? Let alone like it's probably got piss and shit on it, you know, but I'm like on one hand, you know, I should, I, I, I should get rid of that thing. But on the other hand, like I look at it and that's the inside joke between him and I, and um, I don't know, man. But anyway, anyway, I, I tell y'all that like, whatever, you know, it's as if a lot of people care about that. They don't give a shit about that. But um, this chair is in there, right? And it's like, it's an old school chair. It's like upholstered and it's an armchair. And these fools, like I come in. And so I had a couple of guys in class who are racers. Like they, they race Porsches. And, um, you know, and, and big shout out to them. They know who they are. They're listening to this podcast. And they raised Porsches. And so I had my Can-Am out there. And, uh, you know, we, we got to talking about Can-Ams and, and you know, all, all of that. And I'm like, yeah, we'll go. We'll, we'll go check out the Can-Am. You know, because that, that's what dudes do. You know, like we're, we're talking shop. We're talking, you know, race and stuff. We're talking horsepower. And, uh, you know, so walk out to the side side. And uh, fire up this Can-Am 1000. I'm just letting it sit there and, and roll. And we're talking about it and everything. And, um, you know, we've been drinking a little bit. So we we didn't take it for a ride, even though, you know, that hey, I'll admit at times it hasn't stopped me in the past. But, um, you know, I come back into the classroom. We walk, we, we you know, we we're like, all right, you know, we, we've, we've listened to it sit there and idle. It's badass, right? So we cut that thing off. We walk back into the classroom and we see these fools playing some like I don't even know what kind of music it was. It was it was like like it was like the the Lion King Simba shit that they're playing in the background. And they were like, "Hey, get in the chair. Get in the chair." And I'm like, "The fuck?" And I sit in the chair and these fools pick me up. They pick me up and like they give me my coffee mug. They're like, we have to, we have to fill the chalice. And so they're like, they're pouring whiskey in the coffee mug. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and next thing I know, they're like, take a sip from the chalice. And so take a sip out of the coffee. I'm like, man, oh my God, this is crazy. And so they're they're like carrying me around in the classroom on this throne and they had done this to like other people in there and so all i could think about at this point is like after a rugby game so like if you've ever played rugby after a rugby game and you have you have the big fucking party right after the rugby game and and both teams get together and they're throwing down and they're just getting freaking shit dangled right and they have the rugby queen that they you know, everybody puts up on their shoulders and they're like throwing beer at her and stuff. And like, you know, and then that's all I could think about. I was like, what the fuck? What is going on right now? This is wild. You know, and, and of course, then one of them dropped the chair. And so like liquor went everywhere. Uh, it was it, it, that was 
that was wild, man. It, it was it was a hell of a good time. Um, so you know, it, it's something that that is if you have never lived Animal House and wanted to. I will say that coming to class may be your closest experience to that. Maybe. Maybe. Only here in North Carolina. Only here in North Carolina. When, when I go other places, I'm on good behavior because uh, it ain't my house. But when I'm partying in my house, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so Teddy, Teddy Bear in the comments is saying, not as drunk as we should have been. Well, that's because, that is because... We had things to do the next day, um, which makes it all that much more fun. So, you know, uh, 305 HAD in the comments is saying Florida says otherwise. Well, that's because the owner of the property in Florida was there and, and was actually more belligerent than everybody else. So, you know, at that point, um, <laughs> it, it was... Uh, it was a good time. Bo Diggity in the comments says, that sounds like a bunch of flags. I'll give you 50 bucks for the chair. Hey, brother, you know, come on, bring a truck. You know, it's one of them deals. Bring a truck. If you want it, you want it, you got it. Um, I have two times. armchairs to replace oh. that one. <laughs> I don't want more armchairs in there. We don't need more armchairs. It's like, it's like, it's unnecessary. We don't, we don't need armchair, man. We, yeah, we need one for Cowboy to take his naps in the class. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'll say it again. Is it too late to withdraw my registration? <laughs> You're going to want to be there. Okay. You're the one. Let me remind you of something, Mr. Dolio. Uh-oh. You're the one. <laughs> well, I can remind you of a few things. But I just want to say, you were the one who bragged to me about sleeping on the side of a mountain with Mark Sibley. Okay, hold on. Let's let's sleeping with Mark Sibley sounds a little sketchy, but it does. It did happen. We said it that way. But but I will say Braxton McCoy was there too. So come on. That's and, 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 and McCoy, McCoy is the wrong guy to ever send on a beer run because I sent McCoy to pick up some yingling and my man comes back with cans. No, I drank yingling in cans. It's better. No, bottles, but I drink it in cans. Oh, I drank it, but no. Of so of don't send the redheaded redneck to get beer. I will say that. This class, this class drank an, an incredible amount of beer. I've had, so the, the RTO course in Florida, those guys drank more liquor than any, any class I ever had. It was, that was wild, uh, how much liquor those guys drank. Uh, but this class, this last class drank more beer than I think anybody has, has drank yet. Uh, that was that that was actually pretty incredible to watch. There were some there were some beer drinkers in there, man. That was something. That was something. But working our way back down the list talking about beer drinkers and free thinkers. Johnny Paratrooper. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
What you doing? Uh, I'm getting ready for a fuck or a fight, and uh, I'm over. I'm six foot four, and I don't fight people shorter than me, so uh -oh. pretty much narrows things down. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, yes. Yeah. Has, has Johnny found the woman of his dreams? Yeah, it's All called uh, eleven of her. It's called Sam Adams. <laughs> Sam's a chick's name. You don't know that Sam is, Adams is, is isn't isn't a chick. That, you know, it could be Samantha Adams, and you know, she just likes to be called Sam. I've known many of Samantha that that just wanted to be called Sam, and yeah. The 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 hot to not ratio was high. Among them. Yeah, so. Sam's are Sam's are usually pretty hot. They they got to hold up that Sam legacy, and they yeah. tend to they tend to follow through on that. They do, they do. They're usually pretty crazy as well, though. So like the the crazy to hot ratio is pretty high with them also. Just yeah, like I knew I knew a lot of rave girls that liked were named Sam. You know, like yes. festival festival chicks. Yeah. That's yeah. also kind of a thing in my area, but yes. um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, those festival chicks are wild. Yeah, man. It, it, well, you know, but that's a good thing. Yes. A good thing. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, you know I love music. I love music. I I mean, you know, we you say festival chick like it's a bad thing. No, know? it's not. It's not at all. Because, I mean, I'm there. They're there. It's, you know, back in the day. It's, you know, back in the day. <laughs> not we, no more. We had some great venues in, in Maryland. Yeah, you they're, uh, they're, you see, I mean, you still do. We still do, do, yeah. I mean, we still have, you know, power yeah. plant, soundstage, and... uh the pavilion and bro that's where clutch cut cut their teeth there i mean we got the auto bar yeah wrecker theater there, there's there's some local stuff I'm, I'm not talking about like the big venues but the big venues are no, great i'm, I'm but, talking about the, the but, little stuff man yeah the, the, we got some like we got some like two three hundred four hundred max capacity i mean you, you really can't fit more people than that in these bars and some awesome. really famous people pull through and yeah play a show and they're affordable because it's like yeah. the locals are the only ones that read the marquee on the way to work and they're like oh shit so and so's in town tonight it's like yeah, i'm man. gonna go to a fucking show and you're like one of 250 people there it's like a private show it's kind of cool yeah and Dude. it's totally affordable well you know, we were talking about Clutch. Like, you and I have had that conversation about Clutch many times. Because, I mean, you're a music fan. Yeah, they're fan. great. I'm a music fan. Well, Clutch, I mean, Clutch being uh, um, Baltimore natives. I mean, you know, the power plant, like, they, they cut their teeth there. Like, back prior to uh, Space Grass on the original Clutch album. When, like, Clutch, a lot of people don't know this about Clutch. Is... They actually started as the Bakerton Group. A lot of people think that the Bakerton Group, which is just an instrumental band, um, is a side project. That's actually not correct. Uh, Clutch, Clutch was, Clutch was kind of a super group of its own. Like, you know, so for like the non-metal people and the non-music people, like when when you're talking about a super group, 
you're talking about musicians that already made a name for themselves and other bands and they get together and, and, you know, they're, they're playing. Um, Clutch was already kind of a, back in like 92 and, and um, I think, I think Spacegrass came out in like 94. So um, way before like Robot Hive, Exodus, and um, you know all all the stuff that that would go on to make them really famous, um, you know, because I, I think that uh, that that Robot Hive honestly is is one of their their best albums. It's one of my favorite albums. Um, Elephant Riders, I, I'd say actually with with Clutch, Elephant Riders is is my favorite album of them, um, but. Those, those guys, man, like Neil Fallon and, and all of them, they, they cut their teeth there. And um, they, like Bakerton Group, they, they started out just as musicians for other bands. And then they got together and just made this like quirky, you know, they were a contemporary of Primus and like they had the Les Claypool, like writing these, these like gonzo style lyrics that were just like off the wall. Um, you know, nobody knew what the fuck they were about. They didn't know what the lyrics were about. Like Neil Fallon has said that many times. He don't know what, what any of his songs are really about. It's just like stuff, right? He just like (laughs) takes all these elements of different things and puts them together, man. Yeah. I've never watched any interviews with him. Are they good? I'll find one and post it on AP. I'll find one and post it on AP. You need to, you need to. Neil Fallon, Neil Fallon's a genius. I mean, he, um, you know, I, he's not somebody I would say like, because in our community and, you know, the conservative end of things, like people want to. Damn, he did a song with Volbeat. I love Volbeat. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, he, he, I don't want to get hit with a copyright. So that was was in an accident, LOL. (laughs) That's fine. It's fine. If it's less than 30 seconds, you're good. Um, but Neil Fallon has done a lot of stuff with a lot of different artists out there that, that people don't really know. Um, like they, he, he gets credited in a lot of stuff. He's also done a lot of songwriting with other artists out there that he's been credited for, but he hasn't necessarily played on their albums. Um, that actually happens a lot in the music industry that, you know, people don't know. And, and, um, you know, cause they, they associate an artist with like, their songs right but they, their songs maybe weren't written by them uh in in a lot of cases there, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of that that goes on man um but uh yeah dude like i'm gonna tell you something though the, the point of all that that kind of rambling and nerding out on music is when you hear a band whoever it is in a tiny little venue like you hear them in a small venue, that is where really the best you, you're getting the best quality. You, you're that that separates the man from the boys right there, honestly, because you 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 know when when you have a small sound stage, they can't put all of the the amps up there and like overdrive their music and like. You, you can't get away with that stuff, you know, that, that like a, a lot of your arena rockers and, and, you know, the 80s was real bad for this. You had all, you know, all the bands that were named after continents, uh, Europe and Asia and like all, all these that, that were playing just bullshit songs, 
you know, um, they're getting up there and in, in the like, you don't really know if that music they're actually playing or not. Because, I mean, I mean, if you're, you know, 80 rows back from the, the front stage, you don't know if they're actually playing or not. You know, all, all you're hearing is is noise, is amplified noise. And you're not even hearing it real good at that point. You know, it's just like, eh, yeah, I'm kind of here just to hear uh, these zoos are playing or not. And I mean, whatever. But if if you see a band in a little venue, a band you really like in a little venue. So like uh, shout out to a brother of mine out in Texas, out in central Texas. And he's going to know exactly who he is. When I say this, and I know that he's going to be listening to this show because he always does, but the sword, right? The sword, Austin, Texas natives. They've been around for a long time. They, they're incredible rockers, iron swan, which is just a, a, a banger of a freaking song. And if you're into clutch, you really need to listen to those guys. Um, all of their albums are, are incredible, but um, I saw them on a small venue here in North Carolina. Um, and damn, did they play a show? Ho- I mean, holy shit, did they play a good show? You know, and and it's it like this was a little tiny venue where you might fit 100 people inside of there. And they played. And man, like, I like that's musicianship right there. There's no way that you can fake that kind of a performance because everybody is close to the stage. Everybody is there. Everybody is engaged. Everybody is a part of that, right? You know, you're, you're, that's awesome. Is part of that. Yeah. And, and, and I've and, seen um, that. I know, uh, I know a lot of people hate on DC, but, you know, Baltimore and DC are old cities. And, oh, um, yeah. There's a there's quite a few venues in DC too which are just fantastic. They're like old timey theaters, and it's a it's not like a facade, yes. like it's a real old time theater that is yeah. actually 150 or 200 years old. And there's just been yeah, so many people have rocked out there. It's actually kind of it's kind of cool it to is. think like how long Americans have partied there and listened to music and just been a part of like like every soldier that's ever been to DC or station in DC in the last 150, 200 years has gone to these venues before. Like, and you just like stand there and think about it and you're like, man, that's kind of interesting. Like somebody stood in this exact spot at this exact bar, drinking a beer and listened to the exact political debates and philosophical debates and got drunk and chased women around. It's kind of neat. I don't know. I've always thought living in the Northeast was cool because of how old it is. It is. Dude. It, it really is. Like I've always had a thing for that architecture up there. There's like, there's the pictures the of people on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite style? Um, I like Art Deco personally, which is early twentieth. But um, oh, I think that's no. like one of the peak aesthetics. No, no, no. But the I think the colonial. That, yes, colonial, colonial man. They, so there's a bar here in North Carolina that. You know, uh, if we get a chance and you make your way down here, um, I'll take you to because you really you need to go there. But it is Natty okay. Greens. It's Natty Greens in Greensboro. So Natty Greens is a local brewery. It's in Greensboro. Obviously, it's named after Nathaniel Green, right? But their bar, 
downtown where they like they have a brew pub and it's two stories um when you go in there so this old school it's 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 colonial style everything in there is colonial style so they've got chair rail molding in there they've got crown molding they've got foot molding and so when you walk into a place so anybody that's not familiar with carpentry right um chair rail molding is something that is seriously antiquated and it's something that you don't really find in homes you're not going to find it in modern homes because we just don't do that anymore but if you look at the the root like up towards the, the ceiling in your house you have that crown molding up there right um you know little you know carving and it, it's it's a long strip and normally you can buy those in like eight foot sections or ten foot sections and you put them up right and it's, it, that's called crown molding well what we used to do was we used to put that about belt height and that was called chair rail molding and what that was for believe it or not um, people are going to laugh at this because like we think of history, like people in colonial times being like all prim and proper and, you know, like, oh, they, they will, we are very proper about all the things, right? <laughs> very um, British. <laughs> bro, people, people got rowdy back then. They got rowdy as shit back then, you know? <laughs> and I mean, because they didn't have anything better to do. They, they didn't have, people did not have the distractions that they have today. They they'd also that. get sick with some venereal disease or cancer and they knew yeah. it was they were clocking out or they'd get like diabetes and they yeah. knew they were clocking out in a month or two and they would just yeah. go off the wall it's the truth it's the truth it was just like if you got the gout like if you if you drank too much liquor and ate too much red meat and you got the gout because your kidneys are are fucked up you know and your your feet swell up and whatever like they just call that the rich man's disease. That I mean, that's what it was called. But anyway, to, to my point, man, the reason that there was chair molding in in a house was so that if you were in the dining room and you got too drunk and you turned your chair over, you wouldn't go through the wall. It was there. It was a way of reinforcing the wall so that you didn't go through the wall it was something that was <laughs> like out of a cartoon or something <laughs> yes funny. Dead serious. That's, dead, funny. that's where it came from that's where it came from they were like hey you know we we got to do something like if, if you if if billy over here drinks too much liquor with dinner he's getting a little too rowdy and he turns a chair over we don't want him going through the wall like there's there's got to be a brace there that keeps him from going through the wall and that's that's what it was for you know and and i mean it's it's a antiquated thing you don't see this anymore in you know in modern houses they don't have that unless they're just going for that aesthetic um uh, you don't see that but um at natty greens they got all that man and, and when you go in there it's so cool because uh all their beers are named after revolutionary war stuff right uh, except for Michael Jordan's signature, he he's he's got a signature beer that's there as well. But aside from that, um, you know, that's because somebody the other day I, I don't remember who it was. Somebody the other day on uh, Twitter was asking who who is the goat, right? Who who is the goat, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or Tom Brady? And I'm like, is this even a question right now? Like you, you can tell that 
I mean, you know, 90% of the, the respondents to that ain't from North Carolina. If you're from North Carolina, there's only one answer, like, period, end of story. You know, and, and I mean, like on one hand, you know, I know apples to apples and whatever. You know, you, you got you got one athlete that, that was football. You got one athlete that was basketball. You know, we ain't going to talk about his short stint in baseball. That's, you know, we, we'll just forget about that one. But um, two, two completely different worlds. I totally get it. But when you're talking about just raw athleticism, um, I mean, Brady, they, they, yeah, there's this a case to be made for Brady, but come on, man. Uh, Jordan, Jordan, no question. North Carolina, and I'm not even a Carolina fan, you know, it, it, you know, on record. I'm, I'm not even a North Carolina fan, but come on. Um, the man, the man's favorite cigar of all time is a Partagas Lusitanius. And that right there tells me this, he, he knows. This man knows. Uh, he he is cultured, so you know I, I haven't heard. To be fair, I haven't. I didn't heard know Michael from... Jordan smoked cigars. Oh man, yes, yes. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, dude, he smokes a lot of cigars. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. I did not know that. Yes, yes, yeah. Jordan, That's interesting. Jordan is a cigar fanatic, man. Um, he uh, scout. He... You're like a fucking encyclopedia, dude. Just keep I going, am, man. man. I am. I, I'm, I'm a basket of worthless knowledge. You know, Scout, I know a police officer just like you, and oh, he can Lord. just rat, he can rattle off facts for like four hours. <laughs> he's got the same kind of memory as you do, and his his speech is the, is the same where it's like every five minutes you're on a completely different subject, and I'm learning something new every paragraph. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like. Nah, Jordan, Jordan. It's crazy. It's like he's reciting a book from memory or something. Jordan is Jordan is a huge cigar fan, man. He is. Um, Partius Lusitanius. I, I will say that uh, he did an interview. Man, I think it was with James Suckling of uh, Cigar Aficionado. But I could be wrong. But I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Um, where he, he just, he talked about, um, his favorite cigars and, you know, what, what he smokes on a regular basis, kind of what he considers his, his grail cigar. It, it's, if you're into cigars, it's worth listening to because Jordan is very well versed in, um, everything that makes smoking cigars, what it is. If, if you're into that. You know, and if you're not into that, then obviously you won't listen to it, but whatever. Um, you know, that's, it is what it is, but it's like anything else, man. It's like talking about Rolex watches, you know, uh, Gucci suits or like whatever else. If, if you're into that kind of thing, that's, that's your thing. If you're not, you're not, um, you know, but, um, <laughs> I, I mean, it, you know, it, it is, it, it's, it is, it's just some people that, that appreciate the finer things in life. And there's some people that, that don't, you know, and, and um, I don't know. We, we had a conversation about the music aspect over the weekend and, and uh, Teddy bear in the comments was, was saying, you know, he, uh, and a few other people said that I need to do a podcast about my uh, favorite songs 
and I would I would have to actually it, and we were talking about this. Uh, I actually had two distinct conversations about it over the weekend, and I've had others um, that in, in, via email that people have asked about. You know, you, you need to. Uh, I used to play a lot of music on this podcast, and now I don't. Um, and I've told some people in person why I kind of shifted away from that. Um, you know, and I'm not going to promulgate that necessarily in public, but it is what it is. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, I play a lot of underground stuff. I, I played a lot of underground stuff and, uh, given some of these, these, uh, young artists, these, you know, underground guys, a shout out and, um, the, the overarching entity that promotes them got a little ill with me about that. Um, I look at that like, Hey, you know, I mean, your band is pretty much unknown. Like these bands are pretty much unknown and I'm giving them a shout out. And the people who are listening to this, um, they listen to this one song on here out of an album that I paid for. You know, I paid for it. I, I'm, I support as many underground guys as, as, as I can. I, I hear something and I like it. I'm, I'm going to support that artist. And, um, you know, they didn't they didn't see it that way. And, and that's fine, man. Um, that's that's hey, you know, I totally get it. I'm not trying to you know, infringe on anybody. I've been ripped off myself as, as somebody who has intellectual property and, and, you know, Hey, I get it. And so out of respect, out of respect, I said, okay, you know, if you're going to get bent out of shape about that, then I'll step back. And, and that is what it is. But, you know, in person, in person, I'm more than happy to give you plenty of, uh, plenty of pointers on, on cool stuff to listen to. And, and that list grows daily, believe me. Uh, but I will, I, I am going to do a podcast about, um, things that I listen to, man, because, uh, shooter Jennings, and and I'm going to say this because this came up in conversation over the weekend too. shooter Jennings, Waylon Jennings, son is really, uh, I talked about him. I had somebody reach out on Twitter who listened to the podcast I did with Clay Martin and uh, where I was talking about Shooter in there. And I was just, you know, like, hey, the, these elites, because Shooter did an al- album called uh, Black Ribbons. And if you haven't listened to Black Ribbons, you really, really need to. It is um, a radio show host, which is another, it, it, this album specifically was another podcast. <laughs> Oh, Patriot Man is like, yeah, no, it is. No, I literally just said in the comments before you said it, I was like, we have to yeah. do the article on Black Ribbon, the podcast on yeah. Black Ribbons, a deep dive, like we talked about a while back. Yeah. That yeah. Dude, so, um, uh, so Black Ribbons, it was basically, um, Shooter wrote a script, right, for a radio show host that was William Cooper. And, he is going to go like he, the airways have been seized by the government. They're shutting down anybody who is not uh, part of the status quo, who is not towing the line. And so it's this last night going into like prime time, going up to midnight to when they're, they're going to shut everything down. Right. And so this radio show host, who's like William Cooper, um, 
you know, Alex Jones, Alex Jones, when, when this album came out back in, uh, uh, I think it was 2008. Yeah. It was 08. So when this album came out back then, Alex Jones actually invited Shooter on the show and they played it. They had a listening party and, and they listened to the entire album and they played the whole thing. And it was, it was really, really cool, man. And, uh, that, that actually got a lot of respect for Jones from me, uh, because that he, you know, he did that and, and that was really awesome. But, um, with, with Shooter, he, he did this whole album and he had all these songs that had these real deep, um, underlying meanings about different stuff man and it, it it's one of those albums that you really have to listen to a dozen times to start really getting the nuances of stuff and understand why like certain elements of it are relevant because that first time that you listen to it you're like man this is weird like this this album's kind of weird i don't really understand you know, and and um, the point that I was making with Clay Martin is, is that Stephen King ironically narrated the album. He played the role of the um, the the voiceover, the the uh, Will of the Wisp, the radio show host, and he's just narrating this the, his last hours on the air, and uh, it, was, it, it was so interesting to me to listen to this and being a a talk radio show. Uh, fan and you know hearing this album and then when i heard that album i said man i, I you know i want to get into podcasting something i ultimately like i want to do it i don't i have no idea what i'm going to talk about i have no idea what i'm going to do i you know I, and that was before i was blogging that was before anything man i like i was still in the army back then um and and was like I want to get into this. If there's a way that I can get in it, I want to get into this. And uh, because of that album, like that was, that was the inspiration. And then um, with the 2015 or, or 2016 election and going in, you know, this was back in 2015 shooter released a, uh, it was 2010 correction. It was 2010 that he released that album because in 2015, he released the, five-year anniversary and he did a podcast series called beyond the black and he broke down portions of of the the uh album and explained it in detail and it was so well done man it was so well done and he he dove into a lot of really interesting stuff man you know like some things that you may not agree with some things that you might you know and, and but it at the at the end of the day it was original and it was something that was interesting and it was worth listening to. And he is so smart, right? He is so, he is so intelligent that when you listen to that, you're like, man, this is, I, I want to listen to more of this guy. And, and so, um, him, he dedicated the album to William Cooper. Um, you know, there, there's some elements of David Icke in there as well, but it's mostly dedicated to William Cooper. And, uh, you know, being a, a huge fan of William Cooper and being inspired by him to do all this and, and just listening to that, you're like, man, here's this guy, he, right? He is he is the son of the biggest name ever in country music, right? And he's making an album that basically would, would terminate his career with any of the major recording studios, which did, by the way, it did. And he just started his own black country rock, right? BCR. 
and um, you know, really cool. And fortunately, I, I can say this too. You know, talking about albums and and artists and you know small venues, I have seen Shooter twice, and um, I met him here in North Carolina. I saw him out in Texas, out in El Paso, when he played out there at a tiny little venue in El Paso, and um, you know there was probably a crowd of fifty people there. And man, what a banger of a show, dude. Holy shit, this guy was just awesome. I mean, he he absolutely rocked the house. Saw him playing here in North Carolina, and there was probably um um there there was probably 150 people in that venue. It really couldn't fit more than that. But uh as an interesting twist, right? So um you know, the people that I went with, uh, you know, we're having a couple of drinks and, and we're having a good time, you know, kind of chilling and, uh, you know, getting warmed up. It's still daylight outside, you know, and, 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 uh, turn around and look outside. And one of the people that I'm with just wanders outside. He like, he looks at me, he goes, I'm going to smoke a cigarette with Shooter Jennings. And I'm like, what? You know, and I didn't think anything of it. And I turn around and look, and here he is. He's out there. He's smoking a cigarette with Shooter Jennings outside, like like right beside this venue. They have these uh, big glass doors, and he's out there, and he's burning one with Shooter Jennings. And I was like, holy That's shit, That's pretty man. cool, man. <laughs> and I, well, I'm thinking like, man, he's about to get his ass kicked because, you know, he's got, obviously he's got security with him. I need to pull my boy out of this situation before it gets out of control. Right. Like, you know, cause it, this just is what it is. And, uh, so I, I go out there and thinking that I'm walking into like this awkward kind of terse situation, you know, of, of a guy who's about to take the stage, man. He's like 30 minutes from taking the stage and he's smoking a cigarette and he's just like, Oh, hey, man. Yeah, he's been telling me all about you. What's up, man? You know, like, you've been to Iraq, you've been to Afghanistan. That's awesome. And I was like, you know, what episode of Twilight Zone did I just walk into? You know? And so I'm standing there. Pull out a camel light. Sip my beer. Smoking. I'm talking to him, man. And, um, you know, I know that like when you're around, when you're around people who are famous, a lot of times they don't really want to talk about like famous stuff, like, like what they're famous for. Cause they get hit with that stuff all the time, man. So I'm just trying to bullshit with this dude. Like he is like, like he's a normal person. And, um, that was, that was really cool. We're just like talking as a couple of normal people, man. And uh, then I threw it out there. I was like, hey, man, I just want to tell you, like, your Black Ribbons album, I carried that to Afghanistan with me because, it, I mean, it was it was brand new at the time. I was like, dude, you're, that album, I just want to tell you, like, that was the it and still is one of the most important pieces of music that I have. You know, I, I, I can't necessarily say it's the best piece of music that I got, but it is, and, I mean, I was straight up with him, like, you know, because it, it's a great album, but it's it's not a legendary album. 
Like it, it's a great album. It's an important album for a lot of reasons, but it's not a like musically. It's not a legendary album. Like it, it's, it's not like, you know, the wall or, uh, you know, dark side of the moon or Led Zeppelin one, or, you know, um, uh, paranoid with Sabbath, you know, like it, it's, it's, it's not a landmark album that people are going to listen to like generations from now still like, like and revere it. Like, yeah, this is not, man. and he knows that too. Um, he knows that too. And I was just like, man, that's one of the most important pieces of music that I've got. And, um, he was like, man, you know, I really appreciate that. And we talked about that. We, we talked about that for a good couple of minutes. And, uh, before I was like, you know, Hey man, I, you know, I, I appreciate a little bit of time we spent, man. I'm not going to monopolize the time I'm going back in. Um, you know, Hey, you know, saw you in El Paso too. Thank, thanks for doing what you do. And, uh, it's just a really cool, it was a really cool experience. And, and I'll tell you, man, you know, like I, I highly doubt that I'd end up getting him on a podcast, you know, or, or like getting him here. I, I would love to, if I could. Um, you know, I highly doubt that, he, that, that, that would ever happen. Um, but I'd love to, like, I, I would, I would absolutely love to, cause he, he's, he, he is an American original number one, and he is a patriot to the core. And I'm going to tell you something, uh, Shooter Jennings knows that, and he he has made every business decision and every every piece of music that he's made since he left Universal has been a, about like hey you know they're they're trying to kill us like they, there's there there is an elite in the world that is coming after us that that doesn't want us around and everything that they're doing is gearing themselves to be in a better position to get rid of us to get rid of the peasant class. Right, because that's yeah. how they look at us. He's not wrong, man. He's not wrong. You know, as a uh, car enthusiast, um, you know, sometimes I doubt whether the elite are like coming after us. But then, as a car enthusiast, I look at like, like new cars have so much. Like they, like every Tesla's got like cameras all over the place, and it's like filming everything all the time. Like yeah. if you walk by a Tesla, you're like on camera. It's like having a Google Maps camera truck. Every Tesla is a Google Maps camera truck, basically. Like, yeah. Except, like, better in some respects. Because uh, it's not, you know, the 2013 version. Like, the last time a Google truck drove down my street was 2013. Um, yeah. Ask me how I know. And, you know, <laughs> but, 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 like, how many times is a Tesla <laughs> driven down the road? Uh, every day? Like, like... Who's got the better data, Tesla or Google? Uh, I wonder how Tesla makes so much money. You know, Um, yeah, yeah. Um, And it's, you know, they haven't unrolled it yet because you got to you got to get a platform to and roll out all that data. But I I think eventually, you know, companies like Tesla or these Chinese car companies, I was just reading some stuff. I'm looking for some content for AP and uh I was reading yeah. some stuff about like cars and, and, and these Chinese cars are like every, like one of them's like a Tesla, but like really cheap. And the market's yeah. getting flooded with them in places like Peru, South Africa, Australia. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, man. I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
No, no, you're good. You're good. So one thing, one thing before I'm going to bring Patriot Man in here, uh, Dry Creek 1976. I have to address this question because you're not wrong. Um, his last name would be Williams, not Jennings, if it was the biggest name. But I could go for second biggest. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, now I know there's. I can tell you of one person in particular in South Texas that would fight you to the death with a buoy um, <laughs> over that. But, you know, and, and he's an Aggie to the core, by the way, too. Uh, but what what I will say is this. Um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I don't disagree with you. Uh, Hank Williams, and, and I'm not going to say I misspoke. Um but at the same time, I don't disagree with you. I, I would say Hank Williams and Waylon Jennings uh, together probably the, the they were the two most revolutionary voices. They they represented an evolution in, at different eras in in country music, um, bringing you know Williams certainly bringing uh, country music from kind of the its Appalachian roots. And it's it's a bluesy roots as well, kind of bringing it into the mainstream, and then Jennings taking the rock and roll influence and kind of ramming it down uh, the overproduced Nashville throats that that had rested on their laurels for a long period of time. Um, now I will say this is an interesting little interesting uh, quip. I've met Hank Williams III as well. Uh, I met Hank three back when he was playing. Um, he, uh, back when he, he released, I've been a Hank three fan for a really long time. Obviously, uh, Hank jr. As well. I absolutely love Hank jr. Um, but Hank three is really, really a cool dude. Uh, really a cool dude. Unfortunately, I met him when he was going through a lot of personal struggle. Um, you know, there was there was a lot of hard drug addiction uh, and alcohol addiction that, that he was dealing with at the time. Um, you know, but but Hank three, Hank three is a real interesting guy and uh, really, really smart guy as well. And a very talented musician. And his son, his son is somebody to watch, I think, in the coming years. You can get on YouTube and, and you can look up um, uh, Hank Four. Hank four is he's got another name that he goes by. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but if, if you search Hank four, you're going to find a, a video of him uh, playing. And um, it, it is uh, Hank, Hank three or Shelton Hank Williams as he, he prefers to be called in person. Um, you can, you can look that up and um, you, you're going to see a video of him playing. What, what a talented kid, man. Oh man. Dude, I, and I'm really, really excited to see uh, the the music that is that is going to be coming uh, from him. That that is that is that's, I, I'm really, really excited. Unfortunately, Hank Three doesn't. He he kind of gave up on everything. Um, he just he retreated from the public life. I mean, I understand. Uh, totally understand. He he, you know, the pressures of, of being in you know, in public a lot and performing and everything. And he never really, he, he didn't really want that. Uh, he never really wanted that. He was perfectly content playing in 
uh, little dive bars and, you know, little like one-off bands and stuff. And, and, you know, and he got into the country music thing originally. A lot of people don't know this. Um, Hank three got into the whole music scene, uh, or the country music scene. I, I should be specific. He was always in the music scene. He, um, he actually made his fame as a drummer. A lot of people don't know that he was friends with Phil Anselmo from Pantera and um played as a drummer in a few different bands he started in a punk band called buzzsaw and uh kind of um you know played played as a uh opening act for a lot of other bigger names out there and uh was just shelton shelton williams nobody knew who he was and um he he got sued by um an ex-girlfriend that uh he, he had his first kid with and he was having to pay a lot of money in alimony because of his name, literally because of his name, because of who he was. And uh, he he originally he had to go in and country music because of that, because he knew that it would pay. And then uh, from there, he kind of embraced it and embraced its roots and um, released some killer albums, man. Once he broke away from uh, Mike Curb and Curb Records, he man, he he crushed it like straight to hell. Dude, you know, what, what an album, what an album. And, and, um, you know, uh, damn right. Rebel proud followed that up, dude. Oh man. Um, great stuff. Just, just great stuff. And a great musician to see live. I saw him at the orange peel in Asheville, North Carolina. And, um, man, he, so he would always start with his country rock and then he would like, like he had a country set that was uh, kind of, you know, bluegrass, Appalachian roots kind of music. Then he would shift to um, kind of his his rockabilly set and, and uh, what he called like cow punk kind of. And, and it was, um, you know, where he was playing a very, it was a different kind of set. And then he would shift to punk rock. And um, man, dude, you know, it, it, when, when you're in there for like three hours straight, and, and it's almost like you're watching three different shows and just, wow. Oh man. You know, like that, that it was, it was so awesome to watch. And, uh, man, he's, he's, you know, it, it's, it, I think it's really unfortunate that he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. He's, you know, retreated from the public eye, works on his little projects here and there, but man, I totally get it. Like he backed away because the pressures were driving him to drug addiction and alcohol addiction and not being a good father and not, you know, not being there for his kids. And he grew up in, in a toxic environment too. And he talks about that uh, in the interviews that he's done, you know, unfortunately, and, and, you know, Hank Jr., as much as you love his, his public persona and I love his music and I love him, but the reality is, is all that came at a big cost. And, uh, you know, as, as an outsider looking into all that, but, you know, seeing my own kids and, you know, being on the road a lot too. And, um, you know, you begin to think about that kind of thing, you know, like, and you, you don't want to be gone all the time because that has a big impact, especially when you're gone all the time when they're small, you know, and, and you're not around and, um, it, it, man, that has, that has such a big impact on you. And you begin to think about that kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, I totally get it. And, and he wanted to be there with his kid. Now, now his son is getting out there and he's making music and he's got a bunch of talent and, and I'm really, really excited to see where he goes. 
you know, I, I think that it's going to be really cool. And, uh, you know, a lot of you out there, I know, thought that you were tuning in to Sons of Liberty and we're going to be talking about a bunch of political shit and you were going to hear a bunch of drunk dudes jumping up and down and cussing and getting all rowdy and stuff. And you turned into, um, you know, yeah, it turned into a whole episode about music, man. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, for those those that are like, man, I'm gonna cut this off. I know that I'm gonna get, um, I'm gonna get a couple of uh, angry emails out there, but I won't answer them. I won't answer them, or maybe I will. Maybe I will, because sometimes I'm in a mood. You know, sometimes I'm in a mood. Sometimes, sometimes I like to pass that ball back. Just saying, just say, be prepared. It says musical interlude. Uh, yeah, sometimes. And sometimes radio concert, the musical interlude. Sometimes, sometimes it is. I really do need to do an episode though, uh, where I just talk about, I just talk about music, man, because it is, it is such a big thing for me. Music, performing arts is such a big, big deal to me. Music is such a big deal to me. As I, I uh, tell you know my friends out in Texas, like. You know, every Saturday night, I grew up a you know poor kid in the South. I ain't got cable TV, man. I ain't got satellite TV. Like we couldn't afford that stuff. So you know, we're just watching like whatever came in on TV. And so every Saturday night, man, we're we're watching uh, Austin City Limits. You know, so the the local country music station back in the you know late eighties, early nineties was playing all this killer stuff. Cause that, that was like the golden era of, of things. You had Hank Jr. You had Reba McIntyre, you had Clint Black, right? You, you know, yes, you had Garth Brooks, right? You had Chris Ledoux. You had all these incredible artists and they were playing them all, right? You know, so you, you had all this great music that was on. You had Austin City Limits. You, you're, you're, I was growing up in, in that where that was, that was what we got exposed to. And didn't really have a whole lot else other than that. So you, you, you gain an appreciation for, for arts like that when, when you don't have all the, the, the modern conveniences, quote unquote. So I feel bad for the young kids today that, that are really um, being served up with a lot of this crap for culture and they're just not, man, they, they ain't got all that, you know, they, they don't have the cool stuff. They have all this modern these modern things, but they ain't got all the cool stuff, man. You know, and and I don't know, I don't know. It, it's it's just my opinion. But hey, we could do a whole other show on that. Right now, Patriot Man, I have neglected as I've I'm, I've still been working my way down the the my my cohort that's in here, and I haven't even introduced you yet. This is a crime against humanity. How are you this evening? I'm doing fine. No, I mean, like I said, you know, you and I share both an affinity for Black Ribbons and for Hank 3 as well. You know, I remember driving from uh, North Carolina to Tennessee and us just banging as we're heading through the mountains, just banging Hank 3. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, we, we, I think we listened to like two fucking albums straight. So, no, uh, no, nah, nah, I mean, like, like I echo JP when he went... You know, the encyclopedic knowledge, because, you know, growing up, I didn't really have um, a lot of that music up here. Um, 
So um, kind of rediscovering at a later age um, on my own. And then and then what you've introduced me to uh, has become kind of my mainstay music that I listen to. So, uh, no, I was, I was just enjoying the ride, man. Like I said, I was late because I was doing um, uh, once or twice a month do bar trivia, as I've mentioned before, with the family. So my mom, my dad, my brother and I were at uh, trivia. It was a tough one tonight, but... Um, uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun so it's my uh my excuse for for being late oh no nonsense good sir nonsense but uh you know the title of the show 99 uh 99 red chinese balloons yeah uh, yeah just um you know when, 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 when red love balloons when i when i um whenever i join a show I join a show and I immediately open up AP and I open up Twitter and I see what's going on. And um, the first thing I see was a tweet from Mr. Dolio himself. And uh, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? So then, and I got two things up on, on the website real quick. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting little fucking thing going on right now. huh? It is. It is. And I, I don't know why. I mean, I get I get why it, it, they're hesitant to shoot it down, but I don't know why it's still in the fucking air if it's been up there for three days. Come on. I'm sure it's perfectly fine. And our sovereignty doesn't matter at all. Like, oh, it's only surveillance. I was going to say, I know you got thoughts. They probably did fry it with an EMP. Um, so, I, I mean, hopefully that's what they did. If you'd shot it down, it might start a forest fire somewhere, which they would all get laughed at. So... Uh-huh. Well, I'll point out that it's passing directly over our largest ICBM field, uh, and it's headed for Malmstrom. So, I'm sure nothing could go wrong. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. I posted on on our account. I got it from one of the guys on Twitter, where it is a um, it's showing the uh, flight path of three KC 135s that are basically shadowing this thing, all of which don't have call signs, and. Um, uh, when you're following the path of what it's of what it's circling above, yeah, it's it's basically floating above our our ICBM sites. So it's, but definitely, it's definitely an Oculus. You know, it's just a weather balloon going wrong. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm going to agree that it's actually ridiculous that we didn't shoot it down. I mean, uh, I get it. There's danger to people on the ground, but do you think there's not danger if it self destructs themselves? Right. Well, I mean, I like the point you brought man. up on Twitter about the, the the EMP aspect of it. Absolutely, uh, EMPs. Everyone wants to tell me how big an EMP device has to be. No, that's how big they were in the 50s and 60s. Right. Uh, miniaturization is a thing. China kind of excels at it. And uh, it, it could entirely be holding an EMP underneath there to affect a smaller local area. Who knows? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's just astonishing to me that, first off, that it's taken this long for us to learn about it. And that, they, yeah, the, the inactive, you know, the, the inactivity of, of, of what they've done or what they haven't done, I, I just don't understand. Yeah. So I commented on it that the, uh, the same organization that, that tracks Santa, right, NORAD, um, it is tracking this thing, quote unquote. So, like, here's the deal, man. Here's the deal. 
what is NORAD's budget? Does, I mean, does anybody know like, like what it, the it, real figure of their budget billions? Is? It's a lot. Right. Right. It's it, 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 it's a lot, and so their budget is super high. Justify it with something. Right, so they say, "Oh well, it, what's NORAD's purpose? NORAD's purpose is to give us early warning if ICBMs or Russian bear bombers are flying over the North Pole." Right, that's their purpose. Well, what about what about uh, mysterious weather balloons that float across the ocean from China? What about that? Well, what are they going to do about it? So, uh, I think this is an article I read. I've ever seen. An article I read, uh, I think it was the Washington Post. A Pentagon official, you know, he did say it's of Chinese or- origin. And essentially, I, I believe his exact words were, it's a Chinese spy balloon. And, but he also went on to say, this has been regularly occurring for several years. So, I mean, Maybe they're trying to capture it and study it. I, that's why they didn't blast it out of the sky. I assume they've already gotten a few of them. Um, you know, if you shot a hole in the fucking balloon with a fighter jet, it would fall slowly to the ground. You know, like it's a balloon. Uh, you know, it, it, so, it's so many questions, it dude. Like it's kind of annoying. Far. I, yeah, I agree with you. It's like shoot a hole in the fucking thing. You don't have to shoot it out of the sky with a missile, like blow a hole through the side of it, and then it floats exactly, to the yeah. ground, it's, and then you then you recover it with with some fucking Air Force para rescue, send them in to go recover the fucking thing, and then take it apart and study it and figure out what's going on with it. But but if it's been going on for several years, why not just shoot it out of the fucking sky when it's over the Pacific? What they're saying, I mean, unless it got launched like right off the coast from something, it came across the Pacific. So really, when they float these balloons towards us, what they're saying is, hey, guys, like, you know, you ain't going to see that hypersonic missile coming because you definitely ain't going to see the balloons. Like, we know you can't see the balloons. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't know what they're doing. They're testing our our ability to detect. I don't know what's going on. It's apparently apparently it did cross the Aleutians, which is probably where we should have shot it down. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's a news story in late December of a similar balloon passing Subic Bay. In the Philippines. So. Um, I don't know if it's the same balloon, probably not because it wouldn't have taken that long to get here, but it's apparently a, a bigger project. But to me, it just points to the fact that China is preparing for impending action. If they're willing to let us see that they're doing recon over our most vital ICBM field, they're way farther down the path to war than what everybody else is thinking, right? Uh, we're in a short window here, right? They're doing their last minute recon. Yeah. And like, and the other thing too, I think, I mean, to me, this is also them going to the administration and being like, Hey, yo, Mitch, you ain't going to do anything about it. Like we're doing this and it's going to get reported in the news that this shit is happening. It has been happening. And you know what? You're going to look like a little bitch because you're not doing a fucking thing. 
Well, to be fair, why would we do anything about it? I mean, when we the Chinese are very adept at elite capture. Soviets were too. The Soviets were pretty good at it. Um, you know, Ted Kennedy's a good example of this. Uh, you know, I, I know. Oh, 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 oh! I know. We're all the all the traditional boomers out there that listen to this. Ted Ted Kennedy was captured. By the Soviets. Okay, intellectually, he was captured by them. He was compromised by them. I Whatever. I don't want to hear any other... That was obvious. The Chinese are very, very adept at elite capture. Uh, but they don't even they don't even do elite capture in the, the thinking that, that we have to. You know, you, well, you got to be a super elite. Right? You got to be, you got to be elite in, in the industrial sector or in the uh, political realm or any of that. No, 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 no. All we have to do is is capture the people who are the middlemen. And the Chinese are very, very adept at doing this. And um, they have done that successfully in the United States all the way up to the most elite political office in the land, you know, the president of the United States, right? Joe Biden. There is absolutely no question. And so to think that that um, they're going to do anything about it, to think that Mark Milley, last time I checked, Mark Milley is still the chairman, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the United States, having written a communist manifesto for his honors thesis, for his undergrad degree, which we have on hand. I still have this on hand. Um, I have it. I have read it in full. He is a communist. And him calling the Chinese on the inauguration day of Joe Biden under his own admission, by the way, that he did this. This is known as treason, but of course he will never be prosecuted, and we all know this. But my point is, is that when we know that that there is elite capture that has happened here, do we really expect them to do anything better than what they've done? They're not going to shoot this balloon down. They're not going to do that. This is this is literally the same as, as why they do nothing about the southern border, which the Chinese occupy, right? They occupy our southern border, in case you didn't know. I've done a lot of work on this. I have exposed it. Phoenix TV, the Kinder Morgan incident, the FOB that has been built, Ford Operating Base has been built near Del Rio, Texas. I've talked about it all. So I'm not shocked by this. <clears throat> excuse me, had had a sneeze coming. Um, I'm not shocked by any of this. And um, I'm not shocked that they haven't shot this thing down already. It, as you pointed out, that they need to shoot it down over the Aleutians. Yeah, yeah, they should have. But they didn't. They didn't and they weren't going to. They allowed it to happen. They allowed it to continue because they took orders from the communist Chinese. And that's it in a nutshell. I can't be convinced otherwise. And, uh, you know, based on the evidence that I have and, you know, the, the patterns that I've seen is, you know, they, they are, we are wholly unprepared for war with China and China is doing everything that they can to actively prepare for war with us. I want to say y'all. Yeah. We're going to be on the losing end of that exchange and rather quickly. I concur. Yeah, I, I um, I remember a few episodes back, you were talking about how uh, 
the U.S. was planning on developing a light um, tank and, uh, for airborne operations. Yeah. Yeah. And it had been mentioned uh, throwing a tank out of a plane isn't probably a good idea, which I agree. Yeah. Um, but the Can you plane imagine to... JMPI in that thing? <laughs> so, well, the goal isn't to throw the tank out the back of the airplane. Um, part of doing airfield seizure operations is actually getting the airfield up and running for our purposes and then landing our own aircraft and rolling out our own equipment. So I think the lightweight tank is probably more for that purpose than actually throwing it out of a plane with with parachutes on it. But that is a that is uh, probably the next step would be like better some vehicle that can be airdropped so we can at least get like like a series of weapons on the field. Um, I know uh, w when I was in that business, it it was uh, drop the drop the you know, paratroopers first and, and then take over the airfield and then turn it into your own airfield as fast as possible and start getting bigger, better equipment on site. But uh, the Chinese, though, they are developing lightweight tanks. And the cool thing about a lightweight tank is it doesn't get stuck in the mud um, as quickly as, as a heavy tank. Um, and you can also move more of them by weight. Uh, so, you know, if you have a tank that's like half the weight, in theory, you can move twice as many of them. That doesn't always work out on paper logistically. But in theory, though, like you you are moving, you know, twice the amount of gear. Um, and so it, it's curious, though, that they uh, they're kind of going with the um, Japanese model of like lightweight tanks. And, and it would appear to be uh, lots of uh, infantry with pretty decent um uh firearms and 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 it and to take seize these island chains and get some uh sub bases and 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 uh air air defenses up and and really you know stamp it with you know the ccp stamp of of uh ownership and um um uh mech medic was talking about how they're transitioning to um medical training that it uh, tends to focus on um, operating in a, a long-term field care because, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, uh, allegedly we are kind of trying to react, but it's a, it's slow though. And you see the procurement schedules for some of the equipment that we need. And it's like, it's like, dudes, we don't, we don't need like a couple hundred of these things 10 years from now. We need several thousand of them right now like that's how we won world war ii is because i mean we just manufactured so much equipment right i mean we made like almost a million uh almost a million um m2 machine guns just just in world war ii and um right you know could we do that now like could we slap because like the one of the air defense plans for the for the for the u.s army uh, you know, because they didn't have like guided rockets and and stuff like that. So, so one of our air air defense plans was just bolt a fifty to everything, you know, just on the off chance maybe you could you know pop a few rounds at it. Though by doctrine, the standard if attacked by air and 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 you were in a convoy was to actually button up and take cover to reduce casualties, which is 
you know makes sense it's you can make a lot of machine guns it takes a long time to make a soldier though um so you know you definitely want to protect your soldiers but yeah i mean but but if we had to though you know and if we had to make you know twenty thousand tanks a year again could we do that i don't know i don't i don't think we could do that i don't think we could make twenty thousand lightweight tanks a year again no maybe no. Uh, maybe but it would take a national effort uh, but I don't know how very I don't know how good they'd be. They uh, yeah. they'd probably. Yeah. We're we are stuck in the Wunderwaffen stage uh, of arms development, where you know a lot of military historians point to the late stage failures of the the Nazi uh, war machine due to the the bunch of bridges nowhere and the development of a lot of weapons that were kind of it's, it's like okay look you know you have these weapons that are proven they work let's just keep fielding these and know that the germans had an obsession with let's develop better and better weapon systems and more advanced stuff that is cutting edge on the battlefield now that paid off when operation paperclip became a thing and you know we took the v2 rocket we took their helmet design we took i mean we took flectarn we we took the the uh, prototype of flectarn we made it in camo patterns like we you know the mg42 the sturmgewehr you know but at the same time they did not know uh you know jet propulsion engines on on fighter craft they did not know how to field these things properly because it's one thing to develop a technology. It's another to understand its implementation in practical terms. And they didn't do any of that. And, and so um, you have they, also, they also got trapped in the mindset that they didn't need to develop their like medium weight bombers better. Like like our medium weight bombers were fantastic compared yeah, to their what their idea oh, of yeah. a medium weight bomber was. Like yeah. we redefined the role and the the class of a medium weight bomber. And they kind of stuck with what their idea of a medium weight bomber was. And right. you know, our idea of a, you know, fighter jet, I'm just not I'm I just don't know if the F-35 was was the way to go. Um, it, right. There, there, it, there's, there's some tech that I think is cool, like the the tethered uh, drone that's supposed to simulate an F-35. So on the off chance a missile might hit the tethered, uh, the, the tethered drone. But at the same time, though, like as soon as the guy develops a missile that doesn't rely on EMF for targeting solely for targeting you know, then you've suddenly defeated that. And you could easily make something like we know a cell phone can identify, you know, an aircraft or a tree or a bug. Um, like, you know, sim you're at that point, you're simply strapping an optical package, the size and weight of a cell phone, actually, it would be lighter weight, because you don't need the, the screen for the user interface on the cell phone. So really, it would really just be the camera and the CPU, the missiles already got a battery source, so you don't need to put a second battery on there. Like, and then 
then you know target towards the emf uh or the um radar signature of an f-35 and then switch over to an optical targeting right when you're about to hit the bird and don't go for the t have the computer not target have the optical system not target the tether and make sure it aims for the aircraft shaped object and bingo bango you've you've won that engagement like are are we understanding that that's what's going to happen eventually because i i just don't feel like we're really understanding that i mean i think we would have been better off making ten thousand f-16s but i mean call me crazy i don't know i think the ten thousand f-16s would have been the better way to go because we could lose half of them and still have the world's greatest air force for the next 50 years but I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, call me hey, crazy. Hey, speaking of crazy, I, here's proof that the world is ending. I agree with Gordon Chang because he just tweeted, shoot down the oh, Chinese yeah. balloon now. Oh, my God. <laughs> the world is ending. Gordon, Gordon is on it. Gordon is on it. <laughs> Next, he's going to tell us that the the drone, that the, the balloon is Xi escaping because his country is collapsing again. Yeah, Gordon, oh, he's he makes my head hurt. Um, I agree. I agree with the sentiment. You know, and that's the thing is I, I agree with the guy's sentiment, but it's like, man, he, you know, the minutia is is where we have problems. Um, you know, but anyway, uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. We've got ten minutes left, roughly uh, nine minutes left actually on the clock. Holy hell! Um, Y'all let me talk way too long about music. Tonight. It was the whiskey. But, we uh, know it was the whiskey. Yeah, not really. I just, I'd actually, I literally had actually started drinking right as we were going on air. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not the whiskey. It's, you know, it, it, if it was a whiskey, you would know. Um, I'd be able to tell. Me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this story, which we, we unfortunately cannot give enough time, uh, the time in which it deserves, but I will be talking about this tomorrow on podcast because this, this is uh, serious. And I think that um, it this this is a much bigger story than what it is going to get the attention for being. Um I think that, uh, unfortunately for this young woman, yeah. um, this, this is, this could very well be, um, the, the signal to the left that it, this, this sort of behavior is now, um, acceptable. It, it's dog whistle to them that it, that the more of this is, is going to happen. And I, I just want to share the key points to this. I'm going to be breaking this story down as it develops. Uh, I'll be talking about it tomorrow in, in, in more detail, but uh, New Jersey GOP council uh -huh. shot death out, shot to death outside of Sarahville home. Police say that she was the intended target, which tells me, right. That, that tells me, that they already had prior knowledge to this, they, that there was uh, social media history that was there, um, that she, they, there was there was some sort of reason. They, they would not make a well, statement like that unless they knew. They, they well, I, I can shed a little bit of light on that. Um, it, it was yeah. the manner in which it was, it was, um, it was done. 
Um, she was in her car. It was, um, the, the grouping was very tight. Apparently it was two sets of three rounds from a pistol at close range. And it's, it's interesting why it happened where it happened because where her house is located 200 meters away over a fence is the garden state parkway. And not only that is the garden state parkway there, but it's also right next to one of the busiest, um, rest stops, the John Bon Jovi rest stop in the state of New Jersey. So it's very easy for someone to be able to choose that as a spot in which to hit the target. And then, you know, they're, they're not run out into the community, run hop this fence and either have a car waiting there that was broken down or be able to shed their clothes, throw it in the backpack and then walk into or look like a homeless person that is in and around that rest stop. Somebody has paid attention to things that I've taught him. Yeah. Over the years, I feel like a little bit, a little bit rubbed off on me. It was clearly intentional. Fortunately, I feel tough <laughs> uh, in a good way. But um, it's, it's some facts here that are that are, I think are really critical to point out. Um, you know, obviously she's Republican. Um, you know, from what I have read, that she is. Uh, was at least in New Jersey a rising star yeah. in the Republican Party. Um, she's She was 30 years old, which is very significant. She was young. She had a, a, a long career in front of her. Uh, most importantly, uh, she's a black woman in, who, who is uh, conservative. And, and, you know, we're, we're seeing a and lot immigrant. more. Yeah, yeah. Th- that, that is uh, Eunice Dwumfor. Um, that, that is one of the things that the left now, and, and I've predicted this, um, publicly for, for some time that as their support continues to erode among them, uh, uh, you know, with, with people coming to the United States, um, with, uh, you know, the Latino population with the black American population that is in, in very increasingly uh, high numbers saying, Hey, wait a minute. You know, you've been selling us a, a bad bill of goods and, and this, your, your, uh, assumptions are all wrong. We're not your political tools, uh, to gain power here. We, and, 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 uh, unfortunately in, in, uh, Eunice Drumfor's case here, you know, she was able to s- successfully point out that, uh, totalitarian regimes and, and one of the ones that, the, uh, fruits of, of what Democrats advocate is responsible for great human suffering uh, on a mass scale. And, and that is what uh, led her to, to uh, political aspirations. Um, that's, it's, it's really, really tragic. This entire thing is really tragic, but uh, there's so much more that we need to dive into with this. And unfortunately we don't, we don't have time to do so uh, coming in with just a few minutes left. What I, there's a couple of thoughts that I want to share though, up front. Uh, one, just understand that if you are a conservative in, in the public eye, that someone is planning to kill you. I mean, just, just assume it, you know, just, just make, go on and make that assumption. Someone is planning to kill you. Okay. Um, you know, that that's, that's one of those things that unfortunately it seems to be that, uh, some people learn the hard way. You know, live, live your life like you are trusting your life in your own hands. And, and that's a level that a lot of people really don't understand. Um, 
this the second thing that I'll point out is that this this activity right here is yet another element of the insurgency pyramid where you're going to see selected assassinations. Unfortunately, I would say, um, and, and I take absolute zero pleasure in pointing this out at all. Um, I believe that, that she represents a confidence target to the insurgency that is Antifa in the United States um, that, Hey, we can target her. That sends a message that we, we don't tolerate apostasy. Uh, number one, because she is, she's an apostate to the larger message and that, uh, the, the, the assassins that carried that out, um, now that gives a signal that, that this is okay to, uh, the others to, to target anyone else. And so, uh, what, what I'll say is this, and, and, you know, this applies to me too, obviously. And, and of course I, you know, I take measures to, to, um, <laughs> make sure that, that I'm as hard a target as possible. Uh, it's, it's, I, I'm grinning from ear to ear when I say that, cause that's me. Um, you know, but if you're in the public eye, Hey, you know, expect it. That's all I can say. It, as, as things, pro uh, continue to progress, expect it. Uh, so with, uh, two minutes left on the clock, boys, uh, make it quick. Your reactions, and uh, thoughts? Obviously, it's home for me. Um, I'm fucking pissed off about it. I'm, at, I'm tomorrow. I'm literally gonna be driving by. Uh, I'll be driving by the spot in the parkway where apparently this person hopped off. You know, hopped the fence. So I'll be thinking about it all day tomorrow. And um, let's just say they better hope they find them before someone on our side does. Yeah, I think that uh, it is just one more indicator that we're that much further down the road uh, and things are going to continue. So brace yourselves. Yep. Uh, Chairman Chairman Meow said in uh, On Guerrilla Warfare, uh, the insurgency starts in the rural areas and then the, 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 you know, the fish swim among the people in the and then you take the cities. Um, so, yeah, don't let your guard down wherever you are. Um, but it it's going to start rural if they follow the Maoist doctrine. And that makes sense because you got to yeah. take from the landowners and control the food before you yep. can uh, take full control of the, the country. And there's a lot of talk about the um, burning down of... Uh, food facilities processing facilities doesn't matter if the food's rotten in a field it's got to get processed first um and processing is not necessarily you know turning it into high fructose corn syrup although we do get a lot of our calories from that um but processing is just you know damn near it it's getting it off the stock and storing it and getting the humidity correct that's part of the process um and uh Man, you know, it just kind of feels like it feels like we should be doing a little bit more to make sure that shit ain't burning to the ground. You'd think you'd think. Well, you know, it's it's but, like a Chinese spy satellite. You just ignore it till it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it hit the jet stream. It just keep floating. 
whatever. No biggie. Don't let it float over Michigan. I might take it out. <laughs> some some good old boy that bought a Barrett, you know, is like, man, I'm just waiting for that thing float over here, man. I'm gonna shoot this some bitch down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't oh, sound man. like that. You don't. You don't. But you know, you know the spirit of the redneck is quite high in Michigan. Actually, oh, that's true. Especially if you get north of Detroit. Absolutely. <laughs> Everything is north of Detroit. Come on, man. Everything <laughs> Except Canada. It's the only place where you travel in, in North Maybe. America where you travel south to enter Canada. Yeah. It is, man. Crazy. It's crazy. Anyhow, gentlemen, with that said, I think Madman Actual is already uh, out of here. I Ma, you still in here? Oh, I'm here. Oh, final final parting words. As per usual, stay strapped or get clapped. I knew it. I knew it. It's like nothing it. else to say that covers everything. It does, man. It does. You know, just saying. Just saying. Anyway, folks, with that said, God bless all of you out there. And, you know, I just want to say one more time to reiterate the fact that this podcast, the Gorilla's Guide to the Balfang Radio, AmericanPartisan.org, everything that we have done, everything that we have done, and I say we because this is this community, everything that we've done is 100% self-made. We are 100% self-made we don't get any outside money from anybody everything is native when you see that we put up advertisements when we put up shout outs to palmetto state armory when we put up shout outs to primary arms when we put up shout outs to blacksmith publishing when we put up shout outs to tactical wisdom when i have people on the podcast when we have websites like resist the mainstream advertising on our site civildefensemanual.com right when we have those that are posting up those are people who have put their money where their mouth is we ain't like daily wire or any of these neocon wannabes that are out there that are selling you a bad bill of goods you know the difference you know it and i know it okay we ain't got their budget we don't have a million dollars to throw at a frivolous lawsuit that they know is nothing more than a tax write-off and a publicity stunt. Yeah, I'm going to shit on them one more time because they're phony. We're the real deal. It's been self-made from the beginning, and it's undeniable. Undeniable. And we beat them all out until we were shadow banned. They shadow banned us, and I've got the receipts to prove it. One day before the election, one day before the midterms, they shut everything down. And you know what? That's fine. Do it. You go right ahead because when you do that, that validates the message. And you can try in earnest to try and shut it all down, but you can't do it. When you have a book that goes up and it goes up to number one and it stays there, it doesn't leave from the day that it was published, from the day that it was put up. 
and it stays in Amazon's top thousand. It's there for a reason. You can't deny it. You can't deny this community. And so all of the phonies that are out there, all of the neocons that are out there, all the people that sold you a bad bill of goods, all the people that told you you were less than human if you didn't take that shot, if you didn't submit, guess what? There is a group of people out there that never lied to you. And we grabbed our balls and we told you the deal for good or bad. Remember it. Remember it. Because believe me, I got a long memory. <laughs>